Welcome to the Lighthouse Baptist Church Sermon Archive. Today, you'll be listening to a message from the Word of God. Though preaching is no substitute for your personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, it does have the potential to convict and edify the believer. Please listen and be open to this message preached from the pulpit of Lighthouse Baptist Church. Miller. Titus chapter 2 is where we'll be today. And while you're turning there, I'm going to read one verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. The Bible says there, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. With that verse in mind, let's read Titus chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Follow along there if you would. The Bible says in verse 1 of Titus chapter 2, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things. That they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things." God, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word and you'll help us as we look into it. I pray that we will not leave here the same way that we came in. God, I pray that if there is someone in this room today that does not know you as their personal Savior, that today they would get that settled. Today they could be free. Lord, I am so thankful that all we need to do is but ask and we will receive. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved is what your word says. Lord, I pray that If there's someone in this room that needs that today, they'll get it settled. And God, I pray that you'll help all the Christians in this room today to understand that the only way America is going to be turned, the only way that we will turn the tide is if Christian people be Christians. If Christian people do what's right. We'll give you all the praise and all the glory for everything that's already happened here today. And we'll ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we begin a series of messages on Sunday mornings entitled, Letters to the Leaders. And we're going to be looking at the highlights. This is no, by no means going to be a verse-by-verse study through these books of the Bible because I will be retired before we get through it. If you come on Wednesday nights, you'll know what I'm talking about in the book of John. But that's not what we're going to do. We're going to hit the highlights of these books because... All Christians are called to be leaders in some areas of life. And today we're going to see how 
might we better lead others to God through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ? So we've read that. Now do me a favor and flip back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 for just a second so you can put your eyes on the verse that we just read. Make a few notes there, if you will. I'm going to jump right into our outline this morning, and I want you to notice number one about this leadership and every Christian being a leader. The number one thing I want you to notice is the priesthood of every believer. The priesthood of every believer. Look at what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says. It says, we are all ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us. We are all ambassadors on Christ's behalf. It means that we are representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's you if you are a child of God. The doctrine of the priesthood of all believers states that all believers in Christ share in his priestly status. Therefore, there is no special class of people who mediate the knowledge, presence, and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ to everybody else. All believers have the right and the authority, and might I add, the responsibility to read, interpret, and apply the teachings of Scripture for themselves. That all believers are priests means that not only ministers, not only preachers, but all the people in the pew have the right and authority to read the Word of God and to apply the teachings of the Bible. Like the Bereans in the days of the Apostle Paul, we can learn immediately from the Word of God and the instruction of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures when? Daily. Whether those things be so. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. We are all ambassadors for him, not just the pastor, not just the evangelist, not just the missionary. We are all ambassadors. We are all called to be leaders in some capacity when it comes to Christianity. If you are saved in here this morning, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not exempt from this. Now that doesn't do away with the office of the pastor, thank goodness, because Ephesians chapter 4 tells us in verse 11, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Pastors, preachers, missionaries are priests just like the rest of the body of Christ. But the Spirit uniquely gifts everybody so they can equip the church for their own growth and grace in the proclamation of the gospel. The shepherd of the church, me, doesn't belong to some higher order of being, some higher order of knowledge. That's not the way that works. I am one part of the body, a necessary part of the body, but I'm just one part. I can say to you, I can't say to you, I have no need of you because I'm the shepherd of 
this particular local church and you can't say to me, I have no need of you because I'm a priest of Christ. That's not how that works. God has sovereignly arranged the body of the, of the church, the body of Christ, that each part, we learned this in Sunday school already this morning, that each part through different function and gifts needs every other part. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Please don't miss this important doctrine of the priesthood of the believers. The Bible says that all of us one of these days are going to bow down at the judgment seat of Christ. You will stand there on your own merit. You will stand there on your own person. And you will answer to God for you. I will not answer to God for you. You will answer to God for you. We could really continue reading this passage of Scripture down through verse 26, but this tells us that we all have a function, and the common function is that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are leaders, all of us. No matter what book of the Bible we are in, we can take the principles found in that book and apply them to our lives, whether, whether those principles are found in Exodus or the pastoral epistles. All of this book is for us. Every principle that we find in here, we can apply to our lives in some way. So we see the priesthood of every believer and buddy. You better thank God for that. You better thank God that I have nothing to do with your spirituality. Because I'm thanking God that you don't have anything to do with mine. We're all ambassadors. We're all leaders. We all stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God for the priesthood of the believer. The number two thing I want you to see here in this passage of Scripture or in this thought is the profession of every believer. So we've seen the priesthood of every believer. We all are accountable. We're all leaders. Dad, you're, ac you're accountable. Mom, you're accountable. Brothers, sisters, you're accountable. Siblings, you're accountable. If you're saved, you're a child of God. But not only do we all have the priesthood, we are all professing something. The lives we live are telling a story. The lives we live are telling everyone else around us what we believe. You may not come right, on, right out and say, I believe this, but the way you live and the way you speak speaks volumes. So I want you to see the profession of every believer. You are not exempt from being a leader, leader because you are not exempt from professing a certain philosophy by which you live. You're, you're not teaching someone else something. Excuse me. You are teaching someone else something, whether you want to or not. You, say, you, you, you may say, well, I just won't lead. I'm sorry. You can't do that. We all lead. Every one of us, doesn't matter the age of the person in this room, you are leading someone else. You are professing something, whether you know it or not. Whether you want to or not, it's happening. We have to understand that someone else is not only watching us, they are learning from us. 
They are learning from us. They are learning from our profession. There are really two choices we have when it comes to what we profess because our lives are a billboard. Our lives are a billboard that says, I believe this is true. Whatever the this is, you're living that out. Back in Titus, sorry to have you turn so many places today, but go back to Titus chapter 1. Because Titus chapter 1 gives us a complete contrast from Titus chapter 2. Two totally different types of people. When we're done going through this, we're going to have to ask ourselves the question, am I a Titus chapter 1 person or am I a Titus chapter 2 person? And spoiler alert, our goal should be to be Titus chapter 2 people. Because Titus chapter 1 people, they profess emptiness. Look at Titus chapter 1. For there are many unruly and vain... Verse 10, I'm sorry. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. One of them, even a prophet of their own, said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn from the truth. Under the, under the pure all things are pure, but under them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. Look at verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. Notice back in verse 10, that word unruly, that, that, that word means independent of God. Not controlled, rebellious. They, Matthew Henry says they were unruly, headstrong. They were, they were ambitious for power. It says these people were vain, empty talkers. Their profession was emptiness. Every time they opened their mouth, it was vain things that were coming out. False doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says, From which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. That, that word jangling in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 means idle discussion. It means meaningless talk. Now, in case you might think that these were people that were out on the streets holding up protest signs against God, we've been seeing a lot of that lately. Verse 10 of Titus chapter 1 tells us that that's not who these people were. Verse 10 tells us that these vain professors, these people that were living empty lifestyles, this was especially a problem among the circumcision. Well, who's that? That was the so-called religious group of people. Romans chapter 1, verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. These people were, were actually mixing Judaism and, and Christianity together, and one commentator said they were making a corrupt medley. They were mixing things with the truth. 
You and I may not be out in the streets protesting, holding up signs against God, but I'm going to tell you right now, church, if we are not careful, we hold up a protest sign against God by the very way we speak and by the very way we live. Professing Christians mix idea with Christianity all the time. If we're honest, most of the time we're guilty of mixing Christianity and atheism. We like all the trappings of Christianity. We like the fellowship of Christianity. We like church. But when it comes right down to it, we're not going to obey what God says because we have our own agenda. We have the way we believe things ought to be. Well, let me tell you, in James chapter 1 and verse 8, it says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. In verse 8 of chapter 4 of James, it says, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You and I, listen up right now, you and I cannot sustain double-mindedness. We can't handle it for very long. Something is going to give. You are either going to give in to God or you are going to give in to vain, empty living and forsake all of this and turn back. Some people think if I could just keep up the charade, if I could just keep fooling people, if I could just keep teaching Sunday school, if I could just keep working on the bus routes, if I could just keep singing in the choir, you can't sustain that. You may say, Pastor, you don't know how strong and resilient I am. You're right. But I know what God's word says, and you won't win. God's very clear what must happen with these empty teachers. Look at verse 11 in Titus chapter 1. Whose mouths must be stopped. The word stop there in verse 11 has the idea of having to be muzzled or bridled. God is literally saying these vain teachers must be silenced. These were people in the church. These were people spreading wrong ideas, false doctrine. They were ruining whole households by teaching things that they shouldn't be teaching. James chapter 4 and verse 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You make no mistake about it this morning. If God is for you, no one can be against you. But let me tell you something. If God is against you, no one can be for you. Look at verse 16 of Titus chapter 1. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. False teachers devise their own system of spirituality and rules. They're dangerous people. They, they divide what God seeks to unify. They destroy grace through laws and commandments. They confuse what Christ clarified through the gospel. They demand strict obedience and rules and regulations before God. They remain defiant in their own hearts. Paul encouraged Titus to confront those who spread false doctrine. Verse 16 tells us that these people's lifestyle didn't match up with their label. You see, they're wearing a label saying, I'm a Christian. I go to Lighthouse Baptist Church. I work in a ministry. But their lifestyle wasn't backing up the label they were wearing. 
They were calling themselves religious. They were going through the religious motions. They were teaching a false teaching that was tearing apart the body of Christ. And Paul was telling the pastor, he better do something about the false teaching going on inside the church. The pastor is supposed to rebuke false teaching, not just outside in the world, but inside the church body. You can say you care about this church. Well, how much do you pray for it? How much do you pray that God moves and works in our gatherings here at Lighthouse? You, you, you say, you're for what's happening here, but are you really? Are you really? Are you a Titus chapter 1 person? I'm thanking God that he has a better way. He has a better way. He wants us to be Titus chapter 2 people. In Titus chapter 2, Paul tells Timothy in verse 1, Titus chapter 2, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Don't speak empty things. Don't, don't speak things that are mixing the truth with something else. No, you speak the things which become sound doctrine. How, how does one rebuke false teaching and inside the church? Well, we do it with the Word of God. If the lifestyle you're living doesn't match the label you're wearing, the Word of God will uncover that in your life. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2, Paul tells Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. doctrine. The word of God brings a change of thinking, which brings a change of behavior, which brings a change in lifestyle. And we see the way a Christ-centered, Bible-believing church body ought to function as Titus chapter 2 people. So we've gone from turmoil and unrest and chaos in chapter 1 to function, order, and advancement in chapter 2. What's the difference? This. This, this makes the change. This is, this is how we weed out false doctrine even inside of these walls. Because let me tell you something. You are professing something. You are teaching something. He goes down through the list. He says, Titus, if you preach the word of God, there will be response from the people. And then he goes down through and gives the list of the people in the church. Leaves no one out. Leaves no one out. The aged men, the aged women, the young men, the young women. We all have a responsibility, remember? That's been the theme of the day, right? Well, how do we get there? We get there by doing what? The Bible says. We get there by obedience to the word of God. We don't have time to go through everything that's going to take place in your life if, if we're faithful in preaching the word of God. But Titus chapter 2 tells us what it is. A church member has a great responsibility because you are teaching something to someone else in this church. In fact... Later on in the chapter here, in verses 7 and 8, Paul tells the pastor he better check himself. I have a great responsibility as well. I've been placed in the position of teaching the teachers. My lifestyle better match up with God's word. I better be sure what I'm saying here behind this desk is not opinion. It better be the truth. This isn't for me. This isn't a place for me to get on my hobby horse, and I've got a couple. But this isn't the place for it. This is a place for truth. 
leaves no one out. Paul is saying, Titus, there are things we need to rebuke and there are things we need to teach. We rebuke empty teaching and we teach sound doctrine from the Word of God. But how in the world does that take place? How does the transformation from darkness to light take place in someone's life? How do we go from this empty teaching to this sound doctrine that Timothy, that Titus is talking about here? Well, I want you to see the last thing. Not only do we see the priesthood of the every, every believer, we all have a responsibility. And not only do we see the profession of every believer, we're all teaching something. I want you to see the preparation of every believer. Look at verses 11 through 15 of Titus chapter 1. I'm sorry, 11 through 15 of Titus chapter 2. Sorry. That's wrong, guys. Sorry. Look at verse 11, Titus chapter 2. How does this happen? How do we stop mixing things with Christianity? Well, these verses tell us. Look at verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation that appeareth to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and that the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. How do we make the change? Well, the first thing you need to do is accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Let me tell you right now, if you're trying to make a, to make a change in your life, if you're trying to turn over a new leaf, if you're trying some new resolution that's going to try to make your life better without Jesus Christ, it's not going to happen. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. No resolution's going to do it. It's only through Him. You must be saved. You must submit to Him and Him alone for your salvation. Your faith and trust must be placed in Him. If you're not, can I just tell you this? And I don't want to be mean this morning, but it is my responsibility to get behind this desk and declare truth to you today. And I'm going to tell you, if you're not saved in this room today, God is not for you. God is not for you. He is against you. He resisteth the proud. He is not working things out for your good. His wrath is upon you this very moment. You have rejected His Son. It's serious. You're not going to make it. You are not the exception. You must be saved. You personally must come to this glorious revelation that Jesus Christ and Him alone is what you need. And in just a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior if you've not done that. But if you're saved today, hey, Christian, listen. If you're saved today, are you a Titus chapter 1 person, those empty speakers, those vain talkers, those vain professors that are mixing Christianity with what you believe is true? Or are you a Titus chapter 2 person? where you're speaking the things that become sound doctrine. That word become, it means almost to put on. Just like worship looks good on you, good doctrine looks good on you too. 
Good doctrine looks good on you. Have you been wearing a label that doesn't match up with your lifestyle? I've got good news for you this morning too. God's grace is greater than your sin. And you can get it right today. God's grace prepares the believer to live right, speak right, and teach right. What needs to be rebuked in your life today? I don't know that. Only you do. What, what needs to be torn down in your life today so Jesus Christ can have his rightful place? I don't know that. You do. The weight of leading others and reflecting Christ is placed on the shoulders of every believer and every Christian is empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring about change. Mm -hmm.